0: hi everyone it's sarah and you're listening to season two of better in bed the podcast where we talk about sex and inspire you to get better at it This episode, and really every episode, is brought to you by Sarah Sense, so do drop in on my website, sarahsense.com, and get on my mailing list to check out some of the sex-positive resources I've created just for you. And today's topic is sex and disability breaking the taboo. Because newsflash, everyone, people with disabilities have sex, and people with disabilities have a right to be sexual. And if you didn't already know this, the World Bank estimates that 15% of the world's population lives with some form of disability. Intrigued? Well, we're going to dive right in. So let me introduce who I have here in the studio. I have Kat. Hi. Who's becoming a very familiar (laughs) voice and presence. Very happy to be familiar. You've heard her on season one and a few episodes of season two now. And I'm going to introduce you to our guest today, and she is Carmen Yao. She is a registered social worker in psychology, health counseling, and social work, and a PhD student of Hong Kong Polytechnic University. Carmen is an iconic spokesperson for sexual equality of people with disabilities and women, and the founder of Sugar's XXX Stories. Yay! Yay, we're gonna Hello. hear more about Hello, everyone. that. <laughs> Hi, Carmen. So Hi. tell us more about yourself. Like, that's quite the resume. Like, what's the most exciting part of that that you want people to know?
1: Well, every time when I talk about sexuality with disabilities, the first thing I would say is I spend a lot of time studying and working with women with disabilities that how we can break the taboo and to make more people with disabilities or old age, or with different diversity of bodies in terms of their shape, their colors, or whatever, that how they can be more comfortable about their own bodies and their sexuality. So one of the things that I'm interested in to do as to how to make people feel better. So one of the projects that I did, which was also showcased in TED Talks, it's about Sugar XXX stories. Yes. So it was more like a pornography. It's more like an adult novel that we usually share.
0: Yeah. So your TED talk, for those who didn't catch it, is called Why I Keep a Sex Diary. Right. Yes. And the sex diary is essentially what led to Sugar's XXX stories.
1: Right. It was more related. You know, when I was studying my Master of Social Work, actually, it was the time that I studied narrative therapy. It was a tool or research tools or even a practice that engaging people to write their own stories. And by writing their own story, they can reveal their own experience and sexuality and to make more breakthroughs from their own rules and, you know, on their own schema and limitation. So after I studied this therapy, and I think that, you know, it will be very useful for myself as well to reveal my own story. So that's why I started to go back to what I did before when I was studying in university. I was actually a sex call center, a sex call girl. and I a mean, receiving, girl. Yeah, receiving a lot of calls. And at that time, my call name was Suga. At that time, I've been engaging and receiving a lot of calls from different people. And uh, from different career paths, even male or female of different ages. And it was really something that very empowering for myself. And there's a period of time that I really don't feel comfortable about talking about it because I don't feel really proud of it. It, It's like shameful in a way. But and then after I study my social work and I think that, you know, it's time for me to open up and i mean to come up from the closet and to talk about it openly and to engage more disabilities members to share their stories by reading my story and they share their stories and that's how the first book came out that it's not really totally my own story but it's a combination of you know a lot of members and friends The experience of sharing it to me. And then I decided to, besides of, you know, sharing among our friends. So I think it's a good way that to pop up the whole book and to let more people know. At that time, actually, I've been thinking whether I should write it in English or in Chinese, but I found that, you know, there's a lot of adult novels is written in English. But in Chinese population, there's nothing like that. Yes. So I decided that why don't we start with writing in Chinese so that we have something to, you know, circulate. Yeah.
0: So essentially, Sugar's XXX Stories is a collection of erotic stories. Right. Of you and your contributors. And they're all about different aspects of sexuality. It covers quite a lot of
1: numbers of topics. I would say, or uh, there were topics like how women with disabilities dating another male with disabilities, how two wheelchair users can really go dating or having sexual relationship, and we have also mentioned about how women with disabilities they are making use of dating apps or you know engaging people with really different. Sexual preferences and interesting. So I think there's quite a number of things, and I think one of the chapter that a lot of people keep saying "Wow" is one of the chapter was talking about sex during menstruation.
0: Okay, sex during menstruation—another taboo, another right? Topic
2: maybe to cover.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's why I think that was one of the chapter that a lot of people find it very mind blowing. Honestly speaking, at the time when I wrote it and it was in a more positive way to look at menstruation and of course i and some of the contributors actually shared very positive experience about this that's why it come up to that whole chapter but when i tried to search online actually most of the comments and you know advice was probably more negative and mm-hmm. you know to make women or male find it menstruation is really scary messy and nasty and, you know, something that you can, you should really avoid. But from my perspective, what I see is gender is actually a very culturally construct that Mm -hmm. is not really about medical, but it's the way how we see women and how we see about menstruation. So that's why I think it must be, I personally think that it's quite ambitious of writing Triple X with, you know, touching so much taboo. But I think why not? Yes. Well,
2: exactly. Why stop there?
1: You know, my mission is to write stories that to break taboos. I think that is something that should be included in my agenda.
2: Absolutely. And I think it's an all-encompassing, like all-inclusive taboo for everyone, really. Yeah. A lot of people can really relate to those
0: instances or those stories. Right. And today, we're going to be talking about breaking the taboo about sex and disability. So maybe we should tell people who are listening, if you can tell us what is the nature of your disability and how did it come about?
1: I'm born with spinal muscular atrophy. Mm -hmm. It's one of the muscular disease that is quite similar to Professor Stephen Hawking. So when we grow older, actually, our muscle nerve cells actually will die progressively. So that means now you can see me, I'm talking, you know, sitting on a wheelchair. I've been able to type in my computer and do whatever. But probably after 5 or 10 years, and the muscles will be much more weaker. So at the end, probably I need to be bed bound or need to be ventilated.
0: Right. So it's degenerative.
1: Right. Right, right now, I'm still able to use my hand, my fingers, and I can talk, but at night, basically, I need to use a breathing machine
0: for sleep. Okay, I see. And when did this start? Was it you were born with it? Did the symptoms come up in your childhood?
1: Well, when I was born, actually, I don't think there's much differences between any other children okay. and myself. When the age grow older and it started to be more significant, it's like it's really having a lot of weakness in the muscles that. I don't really walk very fast. I fall all the time. And then when I was teenagers and I started to use on a wheelchair, it was about three to four years ago, I started to use ventilation at night.
0: Okay. And then when did you first start exploring your sexuality and where has that led you? Was it Did you start when you were a sex call girl or was it before that?
1: Well, I think it's long before that. Okay. Right? Yeah. Well, uh, I'm born and raised in Hong Kong. Right. And uh, in Hong Kong, in a Chinese community, there's a lot of challenges for mm-hmm. a girl with disabilities, especially yeah. for a girl, mm. because they would imply a lot more traditional Chinese culture and value on a girl, and especially if they have disabilities, and parents usually have a lot of pressure to protect, and to plan for the daughter. So for my parents, actually, at the beginning, they were thinking, well, you know, I have no plan for you. I don't expect you to have a boyfriend or you don't get married. You don't have to worry because mom and dad will take care of you all the rest of my life. Right. And you don't have to work so hard because... We can save money for you and then you don't have to worry anything. So I always make a joke that, you know, my parents was raising me like just Jane Austen. You don't really need to think about it even on the plate. Yeah. Even I was studying in special school, actually. Close relationship with boys is a big taboo. I mean, so it's it's a big challenge is that, you know, you're sitting in a small classroom, but you are not allowed to have really close relationship with boys and yeah. having said that, you know, still things can you know, the magic can go around and I do have a boyfriend since I'm form one. Mm-hmm. So Form one that's thirteen? About thirteen, yes. yes. Just about the age of Julia and Romeo. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: that starts. So um
1: yeah, I have a boyfriend and Yay. he's also a disabled wheelchair and okay. uh, and we try to hide our relationship very well. And somehow we can survive until we entered the
2: university. Oh, wow. Okay. That's a long time but for a secret.
1: Before I was still in university, I am having a very, you know, I have a very boyish haircut. Mm-hmm. we like a boy because in school or even in my family, they were teaching us that, you know, if you are a wheelchair girl, you can't wear a dress. You can't have long hair. You don't put makeup because, you know, the best protection of yourself is don't be sexually appealing. You oh. have to cover up even your gender. Really?
0: Right. So, I guess because they're afraid that people will take advantage of right. you because the, of your disability. One of, the,
1: one of the idiom. I mean, one of the jokes that my mother always told me is why flowers in the forest is so dangerous because... She showed up to be a flower and she had this smell. So people will pick it up. So the best way of protecting yourself of not being picked yeah. is to cover up yourself. Don't let people to see your agenda sure. so that people will not notice you. We'll so that's words. why before when I was in the, before I entered university, actually, I am more looks like a male Than a female, that's the reason.
2: Androgynous, yeah. Yeah, Wow, I never thought
1: that. But when I started to study in university and I was living in a hostel and, you know, the whole world is totally different. (laughs) (laughs) I learned from my girlfriends about makeup, dress, and they go bring me to shopping because they can't, they're sick of my, my sport jeans and they, they (laughs) doesn't want me to wear those sort of things. So they started to bring me out to go shopping, buying high heel shoes, makeup. Even I have challenges in going, you know, to do hairdressing and they took me all the way to, you know, like the hair and to make myself to be more like myself. Mm-hmm. So I think that is a very big, totally change. Yeah. So going back to the topic, the, the questions that you ask, actually, I think at that time, I literally think that I am really a girl. Okay. And, okay. Yeah. At that time. So you I,
0: embraced your femininity.
1: Yes, in a way at that time that we have more people who agree and to support me to do things that I think is more suitable.
0: Okay. And then when you were with your form one boyfriend, were you sexual with him? At that time or was that still too young? It's more
1: like too young, I think. right, right, Right. But at that time, I find it very difficult. I think it was too young. But now I think back about what happened at that time. I think one of the issues is I was afraid. And he was afraid too because both of us are on wheelchair. And we are very afraid of each other's body. Okay. Because, uh, for example, we know that our legs or some of part of our body are disformed. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's not something that we are not familiar. Myself have, you know, parts that deform as well as she does. But at that time, we were very afraid of feeling very insecure, not prepared to see another person's body that is deformed. So okay. I think that was one of the major reasons that why it keeps us, you know, being very... Good girls and right. boys in, in yeah. that way that you, you don't really comfortable of you know, taking even taking off your clothes or jacket at all at that time,
0: was it just the fear of seeing another body that was disabled like
1: I think there are several reasons. The first reason is I don't feel comfortable about mm-hmm. exposing myself. Okay, so it was off, a, it not was a comfortable my yourself. First. Yes, about yeah. myself. Then right. I think I am disabled, and I don't think I look good, so I don't want to mm-hmm. take off my clothes or to be more engaging, work with him closely. Mm-hmm. And the other reason is because he is also disabled, and I feel afraid that about his body as well. Mm-hmm. So I think these two reasons, and I think one of the third reason is because we grown up together in the special school Mm -hmm. and we are familiar with our family. We are very familiar with the culture in a way that we think that, you know, you are my boyfriend, but our relationship is different to others that we don't hug, but we are very intimate, but we don't hug, we don't kiss, we Mm -hmm. don't do anything, but we are really closely connected and to support each other. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I think at that time, that is the way how we understand our relationship.
2: That is how we understand intimacy. Mm. At that time, was the intimacy just as restricted with yourself? Like at that time of your life, were you comfortable just looking at yourself in the mirror, in the nude? Or was that also kind of something you, you did very little of?
1: Well, at that time, it was also challenging for myself. At that time, I was about 18. And that was the time that I've had my first stress. Okay. You know, that was short enough to show your knee. Right. So at that time, I always half joke, you know, my girlfriend always joke that, you know, I think you grow up from a nun, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you have a long journey that you did not have that experience. I mean, imagine that nowadays, young girls, like 15 years old, or whether they have like short jeans, they have, you know, all sorts of different kind of, Dressing clothing that they have explored, but back to my my memory that I was long journey that is mm-hmm. it's a long delay that I haven't tried and at yes. that time it was my first time to try different kind of clothing as well. Yeah, and even my underwear, you know, it was um, reform. You know, it's a revolution for myself because before eighteen, actually. All my underwears were selected and given by my, my mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even a bra, actually I wear second-hand bra. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Because my mom thinks, you know, nobody cares or so whatever you see it. See it. Right, But I need new one, but you don't need new one. Everyone but honestly ones. speaking, yeah. you know, the, I always said that, you know, the bra actually have six month life expectancy. After mm. six months, your bra doesn't really work well. <laughs> your bra yeah. needs a break. <laughs> yeah. So I've been, you know, wearing underwear that my mother thinks yeah. approved. Right. So after 18, when I was in university, I have more, you know, my mom said it's crazy for bras and even underwear. And even tea bags, you know. Mm. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> sure. So it was. It was a very joyful and and very good memory. That experience that I've been trying different sorts of things. Right. Yeah. Who doesn't
0: like shopping, really. But it sounds like <laughs> a real evolution yeah. in terms of how you viewed your body as well, right? And we actually just recently recorded an episode on body positivity and how important it is to feel confident with your body in the bedroom because otherwise if you don't feel confident then you're just inhibited and you can't enjoy the experience of being sexual and I guess I wanted to ask how do you feel most confident and sexually attractive in your body and how has that evolved you know since you were a girl of 18 who just wore her first dress to who you are now
1: I need to say that you know, spending a lot of time in internet is really important to me. Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah, yeah. Because um, <laughs> I am chubby, yes, and uh, I have you know different kind of deformities. I have scoliosis, that means a twisted spine, mm-hmm. and have a lot of challenges, and including on a wheelchair. But you know, getting online actually let me learn a lot, and I can find really role models. From internet, yeah. I mean, you can see from, you know, internet that there's a lot more girls with deformities, with wheelchair, in yes. different ways, and they can sh- really show off. Yes. So,
0: that yeah. is how I gained being really inspired. Yeah, yeah. And um, that's really interesting mm-hmm. because Bertha, our guest who we talked about body positivity yesterday, she also credited Instagram for... Yeah. Or her online community rather yeah. than the internet, I think, but for
2: teaching, yeah, her for teaching h- and for how to be body positive, yeah, for finding yeah. like that support group, it was interesting because you said actually, when you turned eighteen, you had a group of friends that kind of gave you a little push, right um finding your you know your tribe, if you will, you know, the right. people that you needed around you right to yeah
0: relate to, but also yeah. seeing different kinds of bodies, yes, yeah, right. like right. I mean, I think we live in an age where is very special where we're able to really ultimately curate the kind of things that we want to see. So if we want to see different kinds of bodies, you know, it's a matter of looking at certain hashtags. <laughs> and we were talking about yeah, that yesterday and as well, right? right. right. Yeah. And, we're, and that just opens up just new doors to all well, this Yeah, definitely.
1: And one of the really big inspiration that I really learned is really think about myself Positively is yeah. when I look at Facebook. Actually, there was one of the disabled erotic dancer, right? Oh, who who's she? that? Yeah, <laughs> oh. we who want to she?
2: follow
1: her. <laughs> <laughs> well, she dance on a wheelchair. Okay, and I think that she is very creative, mm, right? And really empowering. That mm. you know, not only for women with disability, but also to the you know sending a very big heavy message like a bomb to the Mm -hmm. global i mean the whole world that you know i hope
2: i get her name after this i'd love to watch that (laughs) yeah Yeah. she's
1: really interesting and you know she was really one of the big inspiration to me and then Mm -hmm. i started to study what she wears and how she tried to put herself in that confident position and then and I see there's more and more fans. And then honestly speaking, I am one of the fans as well. <laughs> yeah. And then I think that's why it inspired me. And I decided to do more about women with disability, how yeah. to make the girls think that they are s- sexual. Right. right. And yeah. I think not about how to m- get good comments from others. The most important is they should have the joy and fun and, you know, self feeling about I can wear this and I can, you know, the fun part is more about how you feel yourself.
0: Yeah, Yeah. because I think when you do think of people with disabilities, I think there is this instinctive urge to nurture and protect. And maybe that's like how your parents were to you as well. You don't have to worry about anything. We will take care of you for the rest of your life. It isn't like you don't really think about people with disabilities as having sexual needs or being sexual people. But I just think it becomes less
2: of a priority. And then the other things like nurturing, keeping you alive. I mean, from a parent's point of view, kind of jumps over the rest of those priorities that you wouldn't otherwise be able to experience. Yeah. But, Which must be quite a challenge, but actually, for both it, ends.
0: It is a myth, right? Yeah. Because people well. actually don't think of dis- people with disabilities as sexual beings, but because well, they, they are, they are sexual beings. They are. Beings.
2: <laughs> yeah. They are. They are. I think the myth is <laughs> that they are. are
1: actually there's <laughs> a lot of research that already proved actually was describing that women with disabilities are actually facing a very strong stigmatization about infantile yeah. rights. Yes, so yeah. They've yeah. So they treated. Uh, people with disabilities like infants. Yeah. So that's why we have overprotection. We have that assumption that we think that sex with people with disabilities are actually a taboo because we have closely connected this to like children. Mm. As far well as we think that they have no ability to resist or to make decision on their own. That's why we think that it, people find it very uncomfortable.
0: So, what do you think are the biggest myths around sex and disability? There's a lot of myths. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest myths is if you are on
1: a wheelchair, you don't feel anything and you don't need sex. Or you don't, oh, you have, don't feel anything. You don't sensation. feel anything. Yeah. But the problem is actually, disability has you know, a lot of variety for different reasons people are on a wheelchair. Some people might have different kind of nerve problem that in their sensation, but some of them, they are unable to move, but actually their sensation doesn't really change a lot, right? Yeah. So that is the biggest myth yes. yeah. that I encounter, you know, all the time. Yeah. And even my friends that told me, and one of the things that I do every day is doing a patrol on the dating app. What is the patrol is I'm, I'm really engaging in the dating app every day.
0: Okay. And then
1: I introduce myself, especially I would let them know that I'm on a wheelchair yes. and to educate. <laughs> That's why I said it's a patrol because right. I would tell people I'm on a wheelchair and I am sexually active. Yes. So that, and I am trying to engage a conversation one by one for you know different mm. people mm. to try to send out this message yeah. because I can tell you that the most of feedback that I get is wow you are on wheelchairs so do you feel anything yeah yeah
2: well yeah actually I was um, telling a friend that I was going to I was really excited to come and meet you and talk to you about your experiences and I think you're absolutely right one of the very common questions is like. Well, they didn't say necessarily on wheelchair, but they did say like, oh, for people who are paralyzed or who have, a, you know, limited mobility or limited sensation, how does that, you know, erogenous excitement or stimulus, does that still happen in the same way? You know, do all of your sexual organs still work? You know, how does that translate in those ways after you or once you experience any kind of disability or challenge? Is it the same?
1: Well, I would say it's more like the same. But I think one of the more interesting to say is that uh, there's a lot more colorful and fruitful about our sexual experience among you know people with disabilities, even though for those who have really limited sensation or have even no sensation. For example, some of the survivors from spinal cord injury Due to their injury, they cannot feel part of their bodies. For example, they can't even feel their lower part of their body. But according to one of the research, they interviewed a spinal cord injury patient about their sexual life. And some of them actually, they describe one of the very good topic. They call it the abstract
0: orgasm. Abstract, abstract orgasm. orgasm. Right. Tell us more what about that? that. Please do. Erasmus. Yeah, <laughs> I would love to hear more about this. I, might, I almost want to have one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What, yeah. Well, let's uh, try. You know, let's hey, Give us the
1: rundown. Yeah, so it, it's really interesting that they describe their orgasm as as abstract okay. because they don't, uh, for male or they, when they don't really have that experience from their sex organ, right? The lower part of their sex organ. But when they engage sex, actually they would feel their sensation, their orgasm from other parts of their bodies, mm-hmm. even at their shoulders, armpin, ears, and even lips that, yeah, that they would sound describe. So bad, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know, some of the members or some of the people with disability, mm-hmm. they also share that. They found that your sex spot, I would say the sex spot. Yeah. It's not only limited to your vagina or, you know, any part of your body. Actually, it goes everywhere, you know, all over your body actually can be a sexual spot. Yeah. And a lot of members actually, they were describing their sexual spot is all over their bodies. Instead well, that's
2: of, actually, kind of just better. Only their, yeah. <laughs> of, you've got a lot more to choose from in that case.
0: Well, it may be the, you know, how one of the things that we do with coaching and stuff is that whole thing where you, you know, visualize, you, you blindfold so? oh, some, right. someone and your partner or something and then. When you almost take away one sense, you have all of your other senses that get heightened. So, in some ways, maybe that's the same logic with the body, like right? Right. Well, you, you can heighten other parts of your body in and, terms of and, sexual and, sensation. Yeah, yeah, to
1: echo with Sarah's uh, mm. comment, actually, one of the interviewees that I met before is a male with facial impairment. Right. He told me actually he can detect her sexual partner's orgasm from her sweat.
2: Whoa. Wow. <laughs> so sounds uh, like a superpower so, wow so
0: that's the smell <laughs> the smell yeah,
2: the of your, yes, your yeah.
1: helmet. that actually that's why he told me that you No, know, my sexual life is very satisfying and I think my girlfriend too, because uh, that's the so. reason because when he, he can feel it when is the time that the girl needs more stimulation wow. and then I think that you know instead of saying that you know people with disabilities they are are you know very sexually disadvantaged, mm. but actually there's more mm, a lot yes. more description and you know more investigation that we need to do, and there's a lot more work to do to let these people to talk about their experience. And there are more uh, conversation and topic that they covers so that I think is really mm. interesting. I mean, some of the members share with me. They say, "Come in, do you feel really shameful? You know, don't feel really comfortable with your height because." We are on a wheelchair, so we are, oh. our height is really not normal. Right. But one of the girlfriends who comes from America and she always told me, she said, you know, we all girls on wheelchairs should be proud because we are on the perfect height for oral sex. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so have you had an abstract orgasm?
1: Well, I would say yes, Okay. Okay. because actually I've been in a relationship for more than 14 years in yeah. the past with an able-bodied boyfriend, okay. and then after that, I decided to break up, and then for different reasons, and I think one of the reasons is, you know, I need, I found that I need that freedom. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Which is why you're, you're dating, you're yeah. dating apps, so I, right? So I,
1: I started to, you know, to be more open to engage different people with different levels or different form of closeness. As I mentioned before that, when I was 18, my boyfriend and I was very intimate, but we didn't really have to involve anything with sexuality. So I decided after 14 years, I have to go back to my norm, that I think that would be, make me feel much more comfortable. So I've been engaging with people with different kind of health conditions, and right. uh I do have friends, close friends and uh intimate partners who are quite disabled, even more disabled than I do. Mm-hmm. And uh we might not have penetration intercourse or whatever, but mm-hmm. still we have a lot of
2: things to do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think I think that's another limitation is that imagination, right? It's like most right. people look at sexual relations or sex in one very linear way. So the idea of doing it or in t- being intimate in any way other than right. just that you penetration, know, penetration yeah. right, is hard to imagine.
1: Well, there's a lot more fun that you know, well, I, I just saw that actually there's a lot more fun, you know, work around your sexuality. Yeah. I mean, like role play, you have phone sex, you have, have different kind of stimulation or even you can watch porn with a mm-hmm. person
0: so what about like masturbation and special toys for people with disabilities because this is something that I was also reading about that there are more and more sex toy companies that are making toys specific to this like sex toys and masturbation is
1: also one of the core sexuality for people with disability yeah i remember that 2 years couple years ago, I was in a sex education conference in Beijing Mm -hmm. and uh, we were talking a lot about sexuality how we should teach people about sex and one of the debate was whether we should put more focus on masturbation and sex toys. I strongly tried very hard to agree with it because I think this is behind the reason why we are advocating masturbation and sex toys for people with disabilities. I think one of the reasons is we need to make people to familiar with their bodies. Mm-hmm. Well, according to a lot of research, show that if you have you know a good habit of masturbation, actually your your mental health, your physical health, and your mental yeah. health. It's much more better. Yeah. We've and done definitely. a whole episode on <laughs> and this. And yeah. I say. Yes. yeah. And actually, <laughs> research showed that if you have this habit,
0: actually, you are much more sexually responsive. Absolutely. But how would somebody with disabilities use a... A special toy, maybe can you describe what kind of toy that they would use? Well, what we're trying to do is
1: we don't want to make like a special toy right. yeah. that really costy that specially for a group of persons. Yeah. What we try to do is to make adaptation of yes. existing sex toys. Oh, uh, for example, like doodles and mm. uh, vibration and mm. some of the people with disability, they find difficult in the handling the toy with their fingers mm-hmm. because yeah. of their difficulties. Yeah. So what we try to do is to create an extension of it so that they can easily to operate the machines. Okay, right. and for example, for some of the male that they use the cups,
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, and uh, oh, the
0: cups, yeah, like the tanga yeah, or the, the the cups. Yeah, we the, call the, them the some, cups, the the masturbation cups. Yeah, the yeah.
1: masturbation cup. Yeah. So for some of the male, they actually find it difficult to hold the masturbation cup. Right. So what we try to do is to design a glove or something that can help him to hold the cup much more proper. But still, there are more top problems that we are still trying to face. For Mm. example, even though they are able to hold the cup or to operate the machine, but as we all know, that it requires strength and speed. Yes. So there are more practical, you know, things that we are trying to to work around and to exploring how these kind of machines can be adapted to mm. fit in more needs of people with disability. Yeah. And actually there are small sex company, sex toys company actually are really looking at it because yeah. they find that it is a big market. Sure. Absolutely, yeah. 15%, right? <laughs> yeah, it's well, not only about
2: people uh, with disability. People, yeah.
1: Actually, this will be very helpful for people reaching old age oh, yeah i was just gonna say it must be yes. uh, especially
2: now that you know population is getting older a lot more of them right gro- it's a growing population for sure yeah. um and to be honest i don't see why it would just limit to other people i'm sure there's lots of people who just want to use it anyways <laughs> just to try it just like you know yeah curiosity and-
1: the other strong reason why i'm uh, spending so much time on looking at masturbation and sex toy is because this is also one of the discourse or ideology behind this is that I want people to learn that you don't need to depend on someone mm-hmm. to bring you orgasm. Yeah, we're all about this. You can yeah. do it on your own. Yeah, you know, DIY. You, yeah, <laughs> you can do it. on. You don't yeah. have to really depend on someone. I think yes. this is a real liberation that you can look at this That you can really have a satisfying life as well, yeah. Because the reason behind it is because I'm hearing a lot of people with disabilities or even women they were saying like, you know, I really need to keep a relationship with my boyfriend even though I don't like him. You know, yeah. There's a lot of top a lot of dependency dependency. Yeah. What I'm thinking is, you know, that the importance of masturbation and to less stigmatizing like masturbation is Mm -hmm. really important because it's really part of the independency and it's a liberation for all of us.
0: Yeah. But also the idea that you have all these new erogenous zones in your body, so you can really like systematically go and explore them all.
1: Well, that's why a group of some of the members that I know that they are, not really looking for a sex worker, not looking for a girlfriend, they find different ways of, you know, having sex expression, mm. even like a body massage. Right. They okay. find it really comfortable. Okay. Relaxing. And but sexually exciting as well? Not all of them require need to be related to sexuality. Sensual. Yeah, but it's essential sensual mm. stimulation that make them feel relaxed. Yep. Yeah. One of the interviewees that told me that he said, "You know, I like being massaged. Even a man being massaged by another man yeah. is also comforting." Because yeah. he said, "You know, the way of being touched is like being loved." Yes, because uh, for
2: yeah, that feeling of skin, yes, skin
1: that was w- what he was pursuing is mm, is a yeah. necessary need to have a girl to do something erotic for him.
2: But I think that's actually something that's aroused in society in general is this lack of skin on skin. Like people are so afraid of being touched touched and touching anymore. So it becomes this very sought after form of affection or sought after form of sensuality. It's just to be touch that's more than just, you know, like a finger or like a right. prick or a poke and yeah. to have someone really like hold your hand or put a hand on yeah. your neck or you know, this isn't just limited to I think people with disabilities. I think there's a mm. there's a huge need for people to do more skin on skin. And I don't just mean yeah. in a sexual, creepy way. But. Well yeah. that's yeah. why <laughs> I think
1: yeah that's why I think what we are trying to do is to expand the mm. description and the understanding mm-hmm. of about sex and sexuality. Yeah. that is not only about something that is limited
2: to the yeah. bed. Yes. There's a lot more things that you can do. Yeah. It builds confidence as well, I think, once you get comfortable with it. So, mm. yeah.
0: yeah. But I, I think one of the things as well that I was reading is that sex education for people with disabilities is actually very poor. I mean, sex education in general wh- is already very poor, right? <laughs> yeah. But I think there are sort of maybe certain special... Considerations for people with disabilities, especially with like asking for what they need, establishing consent, healthy boundaries, all of that. And I wonder if, you know, that's also a, a need that you feel like is something that needs to be like filled as well.
1: well- I think that's the reason why I started to study my sex education. Yes. So I'm trying to get a license yeah. to be a licensed credited uh, sex educator yeah. because I think there's a lot of that I need to address mm. about sex education yeah. for people with disabilities. Yeah. I think the first thing that probably you pop up in your mind is how they can protect themselves. Yeah. 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 yeah contraceptions and you know all sorts of it but yeah from my perspective i think it's we are not trying to do that to stop them mm. from exploring but mm. to help them to liberate them. to, to explore, yes or? to to explore in a more positive and safe safe yeah yeah way for example I, a lot of people would say that you know People with uh, intellectual challenge, they have a lot of behavioral problems, especially on sex. Mm-hmm. Well, what I would say is they are all natural human beings that they have the same sex desire. But the issue is they don't really know what their feeling is yeah. and how to handle it. Yeah. So what I was thinking is in sex education, we can help them to address to help them to know that they are actually pursuing pleasure for their bodies, yeah, and how they should do it, they should learn that they should look for a private area mm-hmm. and a safe area to engage something that they like. Yeah, so I think that is
0: how sex education should Absolutely. do. Absolutely, it's <laughs> it's normalizing behavior. Ultimately, good sex education normalizes all kinds of sexual behavior and just. Uh, If anything, it empowers you to go out there and explore the breadth of sexual expression, right? So Carmen, do you think that people with disabilities are actually fetishized in some way? And what do you think about that? If you Google
1: fetishes and disability, and you will find a long, long list that, you know, about fetishing people with disabilities, for example, like amputees, wheelchair, muscular dystrophies. Spine or different kind of disabilities or different kind of deformities mm. that people find it really sexually appealing. Mm. Well, I think there is a very hot debate on this issue. Some of the a group of uh, advocates think that devotees, what we call them devotees, who a group of people who are finding that uh, disability is sexually appealing and. Uh, that is how they being sexually aroused by someone's disability and uh, they think that devotees are actually dangerous because right. uh, they would fetishize us and they actually doesn't see the personality. They doesn't see you. They can just only see your wheelchair. Okay? Yes. So that's why they think it's dangerous because if you engage in that kind of relationship, you are actually an object. You are being controlled. You are not being respected. So that's why a group of members they are allowing everybody to, you know, watch out for devotees and try to stay away from them. Yeah. But another group of members they were thinking, you know, we are being stigmatized by others for all our lives and why we are stigmatizing someone who really find us sexy and beautiful and Mm -hmm. really truly look at us, our body that really find us sexually appealing. One of the advocates in America, he had a very powerful quote. He said, I don't mind being fetishist because as long as you still see me.
2: Yeah.
1: Because yep. you still see me as mm. I am sexy and you still want to go bad with me. At least I gain something from it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you can, you know, package me with different kind of terms mm-hmm. or fetishes. But the most important is I am being loved, being yeah. nurtured, being hugged by yeah. somebody who is truly loved me. And I think this is a very powerful message that he's Absolutely. sending out. And also did some interview mm-hmm. with uh, devotees in different countries. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they told me a lot of experience about how they look at disabilities. Yeah. And uh, one of the, A devotee's interviewee, he told me that he said, You know, I find Operation Scars beautiful. Mm -hmm. It's a history of your life. Yeah. That's why he thinks it's very appealing. Yes. So I think there's a lot people are talking about their sexual interests and preferences.
0: I think it's this idea that you are seen and you are loved, inclusive of your disability rather than in spite of your disability.
1: One of the devotees from Taiwan, and she told me, she said, you know, I find the kind of bone and muscle ratio of people with disabilities very sexy. He told me that way. Yeah. Mm. She said, you know, you cannot find someone with really very bony leg or deformities. But yeah. she said, it's beautiful. Mm. Yes. Another way that they look at the beauty in a very different way. Mm. Yes. And one of the devotees shared with me why he find it very sexually aroused by people with disabilities, especially for those with muscular dystrophy or atrophy. Mm -hmm. He said to me, he said, you know, the muscle of the arm with people with muscle disease, their muscle and skin are so soft that you can't find anywhere. Yeah. That's a very interesting perspective. There's a lot of different perspectives, but I think the issue is how we are judging. People are really easily judging people when they are not similar to the norm. So I think nowadays we are not trying to make so much judgment on people. So we should let more people with different interests and experience that to share.
0: Yeah, yeah in my research for this, I watched some of the porn, which is made by people with disabilities. And One of the things that I noticed is, and perhaps it is playing up to the devotees who watch this, is that what some of these performers do is they really try to almost like play up their disabilities. So it's them kind of like dragging themselves from the chair to the bed and then it's kind of like trailing and they're really kind of having what I would see as just difficulty actually getting onto the bed. But... I suppose for some people, it is kind of sexy if that is something that you find sexually attractive. But I was watching it and I was like, oh, okay, like she's having a really hard time getting onto the bed. (laughs) Imagine, I mean, that's why I said previously about
1: sex is really culturally constructed. Imagine that you're looking at a girl with a high heel and slowly taking off her stocking and her high heel. You'll find it very sexy, right? But for a group of people with disabilities and the devotees find that, you know, how she is trying to hold her powerless leg and take. of the shoes and looking at the deform of the toes and all sorts of it's actually the whole mechanism is quite similar exactly it's it's just how we are interpreting what we see so that's why I think we are expanding the description and how we yes. understand sexuality yeah. for different people.
0: Yeah, that is so fascinating, and that now I feel almost quite like limited in my <laughs> no. view of sexuality. Vanilla feels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: one of the things I think is interesting to see is that, based on my observation. A lot of people actually learn sex from porn nowadays. Yes. yes. So they yes. spend a lot of time watching how people doing it. Yes. And from my perspective, I think it's really good that having more porn that huh. related to people with disability because yeah. actually it's also a more honestly speaking, I think I'm looking at it in a more positive way, actually educating say. people to expand the imagination. Yeah. Because as I mentioned before about one of the myths they imagine it's wheelchair doesn't, people on wheelchair doesn't have sensation, it doesn't have sex desire. Mm-hmm. And actually, a lot of people, even when I am patrolling in the online apps, actually, a lot of people respond to me to they say, Well, I'm interested in trying to explore with someone on wheelchair, but really above my imagination. It right. Sounds to me. So yeah. I say, well, you don't need to imagine. You just go and Google search <laughs> porn. <laughs> or, you know, yeah. yeah.
2: a <laughs> Here's
0: the thing. So, I don't know why I'm so surprised. That's definitely one of the pros of, of porn. porn. Yeah, okay. being able to access like different niches and genres and see yeah. what could possibly be sexy to you. Because how are you actually even going to know? what is sexually attractive to you until you actually really have it in front See of you and it all. and not everybody has the opportunity sometimes, right? But the internet does give you that sort of opportunity. So what resources then are available for people with disabilities and their partners if they wanna explore their sexuality? And that could be educational or that could be erotic.
1: Well, if you go online, you try to search, actually you will find quite a lot of advices Mm. and suggestions and even assistive tools for couples as well. So I think there's a lot of things you can explore, but according to most of my interviewees, they are my friends that told me that, you know, the most important is communication, right? Because even people with disabilities, they have different forms, different types. Different physical capacities and things. The most promising sex, the key is always about communication yeah. and how you look, search for, you know, the gap or ways that you can navigate it. Yeah. I mean, that is very important. For example, like male who are tetraplegic. So their sex position is hardly, you know, to execute in missionary' position. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. they probably go for cowgirl or to mm-hmm. turn one side of their body. Or
0: mm-hmm. No, there
1: are different ways to do it and female as well. So I think there's a lot of opportunities and a lot of things that you can explore with person mm-hmm. with disability. Mm-hmm, yeah.
0: So can you just tell us more about just some interesting positions then that you would talk to your partner about if you had a disability. So let's say if you talked about males just now. So what about if you're a female?
1: Well, I can say probably because I'm a female. Yeah. <laughs> so I can in a position to talk more about it. I think girls have much more selection opportunities and Actually, for example, missionary probably is not a big problem. And some of the members, they would like to have like doggy or different kind of position they would prefer. And a lot of them, they need like pillows and things that to help them to position their gestures for Mm -hmm. doing sex intercourse. And some of them actually found that a lot of medical items that actually is very helpful for them. For example. Yes, I was going
2: to say, do tell.
1: For example, one of the good items is the hospital bed. I'm not sure if you know anything about hospital bed because even you can quickly imagine the bed in hospital. What is so special? But the hospital bed actually can adjust the height. Yeah. And
0: okay. the bed
1: can actually tilt that the back can go up.
0: The back. Or yeah. the leg can go up
1: but oh, your yeah. legs can go up
0: yes okay. so i know the back can go up this way so you can
1: sit up and
0: then it can go up this way yeah right yes and then
1: actually your leg can also go that way oh your legs can yeah. go up too yeah so
2: three-parter yeah okay, yes. three-parter. okay
1: yeah 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 okay so the reason why it's very useful because when you need to have different position the vet can help you Another important thing is about the adjustment of the height. Because imagine mm-hmm. your sex partner, either he's too short or too tall. Mm-hmm. So one of the problems when it goes to the edge of the bed, you know, one of the problems that I found that, you know, people find is height problem. Right. Yeah. But for us, the bed is really useful because they can really flexibly adjusting the height according to different positions yes. of sex. Mm-hmm. So it is really very useful. And one of the other items that becoming a sex toys rather than a rehabilitation or hospital tool is we call it a hoist. That is a transition hoist. For some patients, actually, they need to use a hoist to lift up their body and to transfer to the bed.
0: Oh, Okay.
2: I know exactly what, what is she's talking about.
0: Really? Yes. I'm almost like... It's like, is it it like, like a...
2: It's like, um, Google this. Yeah. It's like a pulley. Sorry. Right. It's right. a pulley. Okay. Yeah. So I have seen these. Okay. Okay. You so can
0: Google. You yeah, can I'll Google, Google it. I'll it. <laughs> it, it. looks Google-ish. like a pulley. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so actually, how would you use a hoist? Well, if you
1: have the bag, actually, the hoist can really do become a sling that can really save a lot of energy and power. Oh, it's almost like a sex swing.
0: Yes, exactly. almost, <laughs> almost. Yeah, and it, I can yeah. tell you,
1: it's really safe. It's
0: much oh, more safer of than. I- <laughs> it's a medical device. <laughs> Fantastic! Wow, it can hold your weight. Everything. So okay. it's really there's a lot of
1: things, a lot of options. That's why some of my friends always told me, even my boyfriend do, that, you know, the best place to meet at your home because you got everything we need, <laughs> you need. <know? All> right? <laughs> okay,
0: so pretty much in terms of people with disabilities, that's sex toys which have adaptations and then there's sex furniture almost, like which? Accessories. Furnishings. Furnishings, furniture that could really be helpful. I mean, what strikes me about that is just the creativity. Yeah, it's an right? exactly. yeah. And
1: it's also, again, it's about that kind of idea because yeah. one of my friends, he refused to install a hospital bed Okay. After his disease that he required, the doctor recommend him to you better use the hospital bed, but he doesn't want to. Until then, I told him that, you know, the bed <laughs> actually is very useful for your wife as well.
2: <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, I think I've actually used like what used to be, actually, I don't know if you know what these are. In the gym, when I used doing physiotherapy, you get these triangle mats or triangle, right. what are they called? A the cushion. We call it's like it. a cushion or like a hard cushion that are triangle shaped. And I think at one point, someone redeveloped or remarketed oh. it as a Sex pillow, yeah, right. and basically it's one of those things where you can bend over them. They're used to help you kind of bend mm-hmm. your knees, and they're like training mats or training yeah. blocks. It's like yeah. a block, right. and those are great for <laughs> finding new comfortable angles. positions and angles. Yeah. And yeah,
1: so that's why when you don't look at the things in a medical way, that things are open a lot of doors. Yeah, well, open a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's why I think you know when like, we talk about people with disabilities and uh, their sexuality, actually they have. A lot more things to talk about, just people doesn't
0: really know much. Yeah,
2: yeah. it's yeah, being creative, it's Not just the
0: creativity is really great. That's what I love. So, if we're gonna like sum up this interview with this question, which is what can people with disabilities actually teach non disabled people about sex and how they look at sex differently?
1: I think there are several things really important think for myself, being a person with disability, I mm. think I can share most and I think the most that I can contribute to others is that the way how I look at my disabled body mm-hmm. as well as my gender, how I explore for more opportunities and, you know, how to lead a fruitful life. I mean, that is something really beneficial for everybody, not only about people with disability, but also for women and, you know, people who are facing different kind of challenges. I mean, the most important is when you look at the mirror, you think you're beautiful, you're valued, you're loved. I think that is the most important and how you can continue with navigating that idea in your everyday life and engaging people. I think that is the most important.
0: That's so That's beautiful. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's a theme these last two days. It's just telling yourself how great you are. Yeah. Okay. So we have a little special section at the end of all of our Better in Bed episodes. And it's called the Quickie Giddy section. And this is a rapid fire section that we always play with all of our guests. So essentially what you have to do is just icer out a question and everybody has about two seconds to answer it. And they're always kind of funny and silly. So if you don't have an answer, it's okay. We move on to the next question, okay? So one thing that always turns you on? Muscles. Muscles, okay.
2: I don't think I'm ever going to look at a hospital bed the same way now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Today I'm going to go for, I always ask this question, Today I'm going to go for erotica, like reading like in the uh, in the light of sugars XXX stories. I do like erotica as well. I used to you, write erotica you, yeah, you too. Did. So, oh, I do right. really enjoy it as a medium. Okay. That reminds me I need to get back on that. So, what do you think is your sexual soul animal if you had to have one? Oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm going to say mine's a cougar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> kind of a predator, yeah, sure, kind of maybe a, a bit one. of like oh, man. sleek cat, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What about you? All right, both of you.
2: I'm really thinking about this because I want to say monkey, but it's just not very sexy. Monkey is so
0: good. <laughs> monkey is playful. I think it's monkey, yeah. Monkey, this Yeah, time. I love monkey. I love You're monkey. Too. I say monkey was my choice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: Okay, we can both be monkeys. I don't mind.
0: <laughs> How about yeah. you, Carmen? Actually, my choice was monkey Okay, as well. monkey. Right, okay. Same thing, sort of creativity, playfulness.
1: Yes, that kind of playfulness I mm-hmm. think is really crucial. Mm-hmm. Like,
0: they do like that
2: doggy style. So look around, check around. <laughs> yeah, a <laughs> <Very> lot
0: <laughs> <alert> you. Yes.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so when do you feel most sexy? I think when I'm looking, shopping for underwear. Oh, Ooh. nice. I said yesterday, it's like when I'm winning heels, I think. All right, yeah. yeah. I'm going to say when I'm dancing around naked in my apartment. Well, that's a good one. <laughs> I like that one. one. I did yeah. that this morning. Actually, you're not wrong. <laughs> okay, what's your favorite sexual fantasy? Could be a person, could be activity, could be destination, anything.
1: I'm thinking of what I'm searching recently. (laughs) Okay, I searched this
2: recently and I did, actually, I started sending some pictures. I found this beautiful layout online, I won't say where, of being tied up in Christmas lights in the dark. So there's being, using using fairy lights to tie up body parts. That is something I would very happily
0: do over the holidays. That's good. That's good. Yeah. So mine is, I've got this thing about having sex in nature like part of my
2: allergies just went right through the roof I was like oh
0: hey fever I I just want to do it like (laughs) I want to do somewhere in the
2: forest
0: or by a
2: waterfall or Mm, something like that the cougar in the forest
0: (laughs) yes oh yes the cougar cougar in in the the forest
2: forest. indeed skinny dipping under waterfall
1: For myself, actually, recently I've been searching. My top of the list searching is actually is about bondage. Uh Oh,
0: okay. Yeah.
1: One of the reasons is some of my girlfriends, even muscular Mm -hmm. or even in Bone disease, they find bondage really right. interesting, especially for people with muscle problems mm-hmm. or in bigger size girls mm-hmm. with bondage. And then it's very erotic to mm-hmm. see, you know, the art form itself is beautiful.
2: Yeah, So that is.
0: is something that I'm looking at recently. Maybe I'll, I'll show you the pictures of
2: those fairy lights yeah. after we're done. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> you
0: know what they say, in order to, when you're bound, you feel really free. Right, <laughs> yes. some cases, absolutely. Yeah. Thanks so much, Carmen yeah, thank you. and Kat for joining me today. This has really been one of the most educational, informative, inspiring podcasts I've recorded. So I'd love to hear from you listeners what your key takeaway was from this episode. Did we make you think about sex differently? Find me at hellosarahsense on Instagram or drop me a line in the comments at sarahsense.com. I'd love to hear from you. And really, like, one of the things that's really going to stick with me is just how creative people with disabilities are around sex. And this idea that sex is just not about penetration. It's not about, it's really that, that not abstract about. abstract orgasms. That, got me, like, thinking all kinds of new things. I mean, that theme is something yeah. that we almost repeat every single we do a episode. Bit, yeah. yeah. And it's so important. Especially this season so far. So important if yeah. you wanna get better in bed. So thanks for listening. Thank you so much, Carmen. It was really, really lightning. Thank you.